Well, what a joy and delight it is to be with you today. You don't know this, but you are one of the greatest churches in the Church of the Nazarene United States and Canada. Did you know that? You didn't know that? Well, you are. And you have been so faithful down through the years. God's faithful to you. You've been faithful to him and faithful. And there have been uh, pastors from this church that are now serving the Lord, missionaries. And we just want to say thank you for who you are and all that you mean to us. If you have a Bible, I'd like for you to take it and turn with me to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 24. And we'll look at that passage in just a few moments. Luke chapter 24. You know, final words are very important. In fact, I googled the final words, and, and don't do that now <laughs> during this service, but you can do it. It's kind of interesting. Famous people and their last words that they gave. Well, in Luke chapter 24, we have the last words of Jesus. Now, we don't know if these are the actual very last words, but really they're the last words that were recorded for us. As Jesus gathered together his disciples, and he began to talk to them. It was after the crucifixion. It was after the resurrection. It was after he had already appeared to them on different occasions. And now he was with them to reassure them by inviting them to touch his hands and his feet and, and watch him eat a piece of boiled fish. And Jesus gives them these words. Beginning in verse 36 of Luke chapter 24. Follow along if you will. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Hey, look at my hands and look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, hey, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of wild-eyed fish. Well, man, it doesn't say that, does it? A piece of, maybe, it probably wasn't walleye, even though I had some the other night. He gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 48. And you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Let's pray together. Father, in these next few moments, would you... Would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to our minds? And Lord, would you give us insight into this passage of Scripture? But, but more than just an insight, Lord, may we apply that to our lives. And may it be more than just the words of a man that we hear, but may your Holy Spirit take these words and plant them deep into each one of our hearts and our lives. And Lord, for all that you are going to do, 
We give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor. For it's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen. Amen. Story from Luke chapter 24 is really, to me, it's an amazing story. So much to think about and to deal with. But today I want us to zero our intention in on one verse of Scripture. Are you ready? One verse of Scripture, it's verse 48, where Jesus says to his disciples, you are witnesses of these things. Could you repeat that with me? You are witnesses of these things. Now, when Jesus said, you are witnesses of these things, what, did, what do you think he meant? What had those disciples witnessed? What had they seen? What had they heard? What had they observed along the way with Jesus? I mean, these were the men who had left their fishing boats and their nets and came and followed Jesus. These were the ones, like Matthew, who left his tax collector's booth, left everything and followed Jesus. And when you think about the things that they had witnessed and what they had heard and what Jesus said and how he taught. I can imagine those disciples, as they made the comments, they had never heard anybody teach like Jesus taught, never heard anybody preach like Jesus preached. They, they were amazed when he confronted the Pharisees. And I can almost picture in my mind that when Jesus was coming on against the Pharisees in the background, they were saying, yeah, go get them, Jesus. We're waiting for someone to take these guys on. They had heard all that Jesus had taught. But they'd also witnessed his miracles. They had witnessed cripples being healed and walking and running and jumping and praising God. They had seen blinded eyes open and deaf ears unstopped. They had seen lepers who were cleansed. And I believe not only were they healed, but they were restored the way they were before leprosy ravaged their bodies. They had heard Jesus forgive the sins of people and cast out demons and set people free. They had even witnessed Jesus calling forth Lazarus from the dead to come forward. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be those disciples? There's so much more that they had witnessed. The sights, the, the sounds, the smells, the taste, the feelings, the experience that those disciples had been with Jesus. Truly, they were witnesses of everything that they had seen and heard. For three years, they had witnessed all of this. But of course, there was more than just the messages and more than just the miracles. For those same disciples were, some of them were there with Jesus in the garden. And they, they heard the sound of the soldiers' voices and the, saw the dim lights of the torches in the night and the shining of those swords that the soldiers held. They witnessed when Jesus was portrayed by a kiss by Judas and then led away by those Roman guards. They had heard and witnessed, some of them saw and heard from a distance the, the crack of the whip and the strike of the rod and the, the grunt and moan of pain as, as Jesus' beard was ripped out from his face. They had witnessed his suffering of their leader and their Lord. And can you imagine those disciples that had witnessed is etched in their minds and in their memories the, the silhouette of those three crosses that were hanging on Golgotha and their Savior was there. And they heard the cries and 
They felt the shaking of the earth, and they felt it and heard it and saw, and they witnessed the agonizing death of Jesus. However, they were the same ones who had witnessed as the despair of Saturday, the grief and the confusion and the hopelessness, as it was dispelled by the sight of a risen Savior, now in their midst, talking and eating and touching and saying, touch my hands, see my feet. They had seen Jesus now, the resurrected Lord, as he came into their midst and they heard him say, peace be with you. I think that was more than just a, hey, how you doing? Great to see you. It was more than just a casual greeting. I, I think it would be beyond that. I think when he said, peace be with you, he knew where they were. He knew what they were experiencing. He knew the grief that they had in their hearts and the confusion that was in their mind. And he says to them, you are witnesses of these things. All of his messages, all of the miracles, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the living Lord now among them. And now here we are, centuries later, and it becomes clear and obvious, it's apparent and powerful, that the witness of those disciples was true. Because those disciples spread it around the world, and it's grown, and it's impacted our world, where today, Christianity, followers of Jesus Christ, is the largest religious movement in the world. Did you know that? Somewhere like 3.6 billion people call themselves Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. And we can confidently assert that those disciples were truly witnesses of these things. At this point, we can say, amen, it's great, let's go eat lunch. But that's not where it ends. And now we, you ready for this? Just as they were witnesses of these things, guess what? You and I now are to be witnesses of these things. You and I are now called with renewed strength and renewed enthusiasm to be witnesses of these things. You see, it's now up to us to continue the work of Jesus. It's up to us to spread the good news of the gospel. It's up to us to go into our world as they went into their world. It's up to us to reach out to people, to reach across the aisle to people, to reach down to people. It's now up to us. There's no other plan. We who have been witnesses of Christ in what he did on Calvary's cross and the resurrection to us to tell our worlds to preach and to teach and to help and to serve and to invite and to minister and to come along beside people and befriend them and call people into the future that Christ has for them. You are now called to be witnesses of these things. I don't think I have to tell you, it's nothing brilliant or news flash to you. But we live in a world today 
where people are hurting. Do you know that? We live in a, a world today where, where people are lost. They, they don't know the way. They, they, they're, they're searching for it here and they're searching for it there and they're trying this and they're trying that and they're so confused and they're lost. It's up to us to say, hey, here's the way. Jesus is the way. It's up to us to go to those people who are in danger and, and those whose lives are filled with not hope, but those whose lives are filled with hopelessness and those who are helpless and, and everywhere in between. It, it's up to us to go into our world to let people know that we know the answer to what they're searching for. And that answer is found in one person. It's found in Jesus. Well, you know, he, he might be good for me, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to infringe on people's right to believe what they want to believe. And, and as long as they believe in something, it's okay. We're all going to end up the same place anyway. Who told you that? That is a lie. That's not the truth. If that was the truth, we wouldn't have all the problems we have in the world today. If people could just choose whatever way they want to go, it's fine, we're all going to end up the same place. Then pity us if we're going to end up where they are with hopelessness and lostness and addictions and all of the things they're experiencing. No, we know a better way, amen? And they need to know this way. And it's up to us to tell them about Jesus. And we, as the church, we are really the key for them knowing about Him. It's not going to be through technology, even though I'm thankful for technology. I, I'm so thankful that we can continue to worship during this last year by watching services online. And whether you know it or not, I've been watching you. And by watching your pastor, and I've enjoyed his messages. And I'm so thankful for those who are watching even now online, and those who will be watching tomorrow online, or even later this week online. We're thankful for technology, amen? But it's not going to be technology that changes our world. It's not going to be our programs, which have been drastically changed. It's, it's not going to be our productions, which have been canceled. It's, it's not going to be our styles or our systems. That's not what is going to change our world. You can have 24 hours a day preaching on TV, which we do have, by the way. And that's not going to change our world. I'll tell you what's going to change our world. It's a group of committed, compassionate, compelling witnesses of what God can do for us through Jesus Christ. In other words, it's you. It's you telling others what Jesus did for us at the cross and that he is alive today and what he has done through the centuries and what he is doing around the world even now. And not only that, but what he is doing in our lives and what he is doing in your church and what he's done in my life. That's going to be the key. You see, you and I are called to be witnesses of these things. 
Hmm. So let me ask you a question. If the whole gospel message, if the whole spreading of Christianity was dependent on you, what kind of future would we have? Can I tell you something? It is dependent on you. And if we are going to be witnesses of these things, and if we are going to be the kind of witnesses just like those disciples in the first century, then I want to tell you something. We need some very specific things that Jesus talked about in this passage. The first thing that we need is we need the presence and the peace of God in our hearts and our lives. Look with me, if you will, to verse 36. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. It was his presence and his peace that strengthened those disciples. You see, up to this time, you know where they were? <laughs> they were gathered together in the upper room with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. They didn't have a peace. They didn't know anything about his presence. He was gone. No, he wasn't. He was still there. And my friends, I want you to know something today, that Jesus Christ has not gone anywhere. He's still here with you today. And he wants to walk into your life no matter what you're experiencing, what you're going through, what you've been through. He wants to walk into your life and say, I'm here. I'm right here. You don't believe this? Look, look. Check it out. I'm here. And I'm here to speak peace into your life. And it seems like in this last year we've experienced so much unrest and so much lack of peace. Like we don't know what's happening next. We don't know what's going to happen for our jobs. We don't know what's going to happen for the companies. We don't know what's, whether we're going to get coronavirus. We don't know whether we need to get both shots, this shot, Johnson Johnson shot, Pfizer shot, Moderna shot, that other shot. And, and we don't, now we don't, we don't know if one shot is going to work or two shots going to work or whether we need to wear one mask, two masks, three masks, whether we need to cleanse. We don't know. And no one seems to know. But I do want you to know that in the midst of the uncertainty of today, Jesus, the risen Savior, comes right to you and says, Peace. 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 Be with you. In fact, I like what Jesus said to his disciples. It's found in John chapter 14, where he says in verse 27, he says, Peace, I, I leave with you. My peace. Now, this is a guy who was getting ready to go to the cross, but he still had a peace. He said, my peace I give to you. I don't, hey, I don't give to you as the world gives to you. Do not, not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Even of COVID-19, don't be afraid. He comes to give us peace. And the apostle Paul picked that up in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. Now understand, Paul didn't have it easy. Paul was the guy who was shipwrecked. This Paul, and we read about it in Corinthians. He had been persecuted. He had been lashed. He had been in prison. He had gone without. He had been on shipwrecks. He, I mean, he had had it. And listen to what he says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. 
and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, it doesn't always make sense. I mean, how can I have peace when I'm facing this? How can I have peace when I'm going through this? How can I have peace when I don't know what... He says, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, listen to this, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know what I think that means? Paul was saying, listen, as Jesus said, peace be with you, that same peace, it transcends all, it doesn't make sense, but listen, it's going to guard your heart, your emotions. You know, most of our emotions are kind of like this. Depends on what we've watched on TV or what we've read somewhere. The peace of God will guard your heart, your emotions, and your mind, your thoughts, if we'll just recognize His presence with us. And you see, He comes to us today speaking peace in the midst of His presence being with us. But notice what else He said to them. Look at, at verse 45. We also need the mind of Christ if we're going to be his witnesses. Verse 45, and then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. You know, I think a problem that we've had probably for a long time, but definitely in the last year and a half, is that we have filled our mind with so many negative thoughts. And if all we're doing is, is watching the TV, watching news networks, if all we're doing is watching CNN or BBC or Fox or news, I don't care what you listen to, if all you're doing is putting those thoughts or TV into your mind, you're not going to have a lot of peace. But if we root and ground ourselves, not on what the media is telling us, but if we root and ground our lives on the Word of God, it will help us to stand firm. No matter which way the wind's blowing, from the north or the south or the east or the west, we will be able to stand firm in His Word. And let me just challenge you. If you're going to be an effective, powerful witness for Jesus Christ in your world, then you cannot spend all of your time watching television. You need to be in the Word of God. Because it's a word of God that will transform you. It's a word of God that will establish you. It's a word of God that will bring peace and joy into your life. Spend time in his word. Can I tell you, tell you that? Do this. Monitor how many time you spend in the word and how much time you spend watching TV. Then who's going to shape your thoughts? Who's going to shape your feelings? So Jesus... Open their minds. You might say, well, I can't understand the Bible. It's just too complicated. That's why I have a pastor. Now, ask him to open your mind to, so that you can understand his word. If we're going to be effective witnesses in our day, in our worlds, then we need to recognize his presence. We need to experience his peace. We need him to open up our minds to understand the scriptures. But here's one last thing. Look at this. We also need to receive the infilling of his Holy Spirit. Look what it says there. We need the power of God within us. And he promises this to them. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay 
in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You know what that means? He is saying, hey, you want to be a great witness for him? Hey, good. Let me fill you with my spirit. The spirit of the resurrected living Lord Jesus coming and filling us and empowering us and renewing us and shaping us. That's the key to being an effective witness for Jesus. And I think what we need to understand today is that every one of us need a fresh infilling of the Spirit of God. Amen? You might say, well, I did that once. I did that, I think it was about 1989 or 90 that I got filled with the Spirit. I've got good news for you. I ate yesterday, but I'm going to eat today too. I took a breath just a minute ago. I'm, going, I'm planning on breathing again here in just one second, okay? And you and I can receive in a fresh and a new way the breath of God into our lives. And he will then fill us. As he promised in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In the power of his Holy Spirit breathing into you, breathing new life, breathing strength, breathing an anointing so that he will help you to be an effective, powerful witness for the risen Lord. Amen? And you, you, shall be witnesses of these things.